Hello, everyone. So today I'm interviewing Steve Karam or Karam? Karam. Karam. Okay. So welcome, Steve. It's nice to have you here. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great. So, Steve, uh, could you just give us a, a brief intro of your professional experience and uh, the roles you've had in recent years for people that don't know you already? Yeah. Um, so, my name's Steve Karam. Uh, I am a software education, adult learning, um, childhood education. Uh, done quite a bit of that as well. Um, just really a, a an all around enablement. Uh, executive uh, is the way I like to look at it. And really what my focus has been on for quite a while now is building teams that create training that's impactful, that tells a story, that guides people along, all things that I hope we'll get a chance to talk about. I got to build a fantastic education team and program at Delphix, a software startup based out in Silicon Valley, really high tech in the weeds technology got to tell a bigger story with it. Um, likewise for uh, Elucian, um, uh, as Vice President of Education Services, building a training program for higher education. Um, so really some cool stuff. One other quick thing that I'll throw in there uh, is that I, uh, I'm a huge advocate for learning at every level. Um, I operate a scholarship fund, a nonprofit that I founded on behalf of my late aunt who had cerebral palsy. It's called I'll Go To. And the whole idea is, is everyone has an opportunity to go. Everyone has an opportunity to move forward. So one of the things I, uh, I also do on the side, I've partnered with nonprofits here in the area and teach financial literacy courses um, to at-risk and disadvantaged youth. So just a lot of cool things, and it's all around just learning and growing and building. Okay. So I didn't actually, in my research, I didn't know that you, you have a, a nonprofit. So kudos for, uh, you know, kudos for that. So um, going, starting a bit our conversation around, uh, you know, what's happening right now in education. So obviously COVID hit, you know, lots of things changed. And then post-COVID, lots of organizations are rethinking or have already change the way they deliver education. So we've heard a lot of things. We've read a lot of things. We've seen different organizations doing different things. What's your kind of like your view on what probably stayed after COVID? So what sort of changes or in behaviors, in mentality, or in actual practices you've seen in the environment where you work and, and the nonprofit stuff that you do? Um, you know, what are the things that actually have stayed and what, what did we what did we acquire from this? Absolutely. I mean, really, the, the biggest thing that stayed is our need to interact. We are social creatures um, as humans. We, yeah, sometimes we value uh, isolation. I like to get out to the mountains and see a sit by a river and just, you know, relax in silence. But that is not our, our standard mode of operation. As people, we, we, we migrated into cities. We made it so that we could learn from each other and build together. It's how we've accomplished everything in, in history. And um, that's the thing that stayed after COVID. COVID forcibly, in some ways, separated us. Uh, it made it harder for us to uh, meet each other, see each other. Uh, the late Queen Elizabeth, I loved her address during COVID where she said, you know, we will we will be together again, I think she, is, is what she said. Um, and I love that, you know, because 
that was what was first and foremost on everyone's mind. In the workplace, you used to be able to walk up and put your arm over someone's cubicle wall or whatever else and, you know, ask them a question. You'd meet in the hallway. You'd share each other's experiences. And and that was lost. One thing I will throw out that I saw a lot of with companies is they tried to fill that void. That's what we do as well, right? We We fill gaps when something's missing. And they filled that gap <clears throat> two ways, uh, I would say. One's constructive and one is not. The one way that people filled that gap is, wow, I've got solitude and isolation. I can learn new things. I can create. I can come up with new ideas. And I'm not, you know, stuck in an office or commuting with an hour each way and, you know, or whatever else. And, you know, m- myself, I picked up woodworking. And by the end of COVID, I ended up building a guitar from scratch. Uh, you know, just why not? Right. And, and so thing, you know, we saw people baking and creating and teaching and et cetera. The flip side in the workplace that was not so good is filling the void with things like Zoom meetings all the time. And it's not uncommon now. I've been a remote worker for, gosh, almost 16 years now. Uh, I've, I've, I've been remote and I understood how to work with it, but all these newly remote folks, they would fill the calendar up and it was back to back to back meetings. And it really does a number on you and on the company and productivity, right? Um, just constantly seeing the grid of people. And that's all it is, is this back and forth of talking heads. It's like the, uh, introduction to the Muppet show, you know, (laughs) with all the, with the grid of people. And um, that's one of the negative aspects. Okay. And in terms of the, the learning yeah. the, the learning space, let's say, the, the, the professional learning yeah. uh, environment. So what we see is that companies tried to do um, distance learning, remote learning, hybrid learning, you know, various methods. They tried to implement that. Some of them, they did it well. Others didn't have that much success with it. Yeah. So we see that there's a... a, a Uh, myriads of of apps and tools and solutions that can enable to do this in better ways, in a more engaging way. So, but there are still a lot of people that say that technology is not the solution here. So it's not, technology is only part of the solution. We have to rethink how we provide education. Education has not been working. You know, it's boring. The Zoom uh, teach the, to the test, you know, this whole the, all the all the, the things that are wrong with education and that they were transferred in the online world or the yeah. online only world. So what are your views on those? And and you can focus on any any different points. No, you don't necessarily need to focus on the ones I mentioned. Okay. Yeah. And gosh, this is I mean this is this is it, right? For learning, this is it. Last year I was lucky to be invited to co- go to a symposium in New York City. It was um uh, the United Nations uh, with Learning Economy Foundations and the Brooking Institution. And it was about the future of learning. And this was everyone, you know, K through 12, higher education, technical training. Uh, it was an amazing symposium. And the, the, the theme was exactly that. It was, you know, the old ways of learning. They're outdated in a lot of ways because we have faster and more efficient ways to learn, but also because people have moved on from them. Um, you know, there's a few things there. And 
I'm going to start with my personal philosophy on training. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what the topic I follow. Um, I, you know, came up with this. It's basically a three part training thing. It's learn, sharpen, achieve. Simple as that. Learn is minimum viable learning. Get me to the point where I am ready to get my hands on the keyboard, ready to hop on a bicycle, ready to fly a jet plane. Get me to the point where I'm ready to try. Sharpen is give me the skills I need to do this thing in the next day, the next week. If you're a sales rep at a software company, give me what I need to make that first contact. If I am a deployment specialist at a software company, give me the what I need to not look like a fool in front of my customer. And I will learn as I go. I will learn and sharpen during that time. And then achieve is recognizing those achievements and accomplishments. Um, I think video games have it right. I, I always love this. In, in modern gaming, there's these things called achievements. And you're playing the game, you're doing something, something totally ridiculous. You're harvesting fruit or you're exploring a planet. And suddenly you just see this achievement pop up that you accomplish something. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome. And you're rewarded for it. And we need more of that. Uh, Micro-credentials is the closest we have to that in the tech world or in the education world. But the point's the same. It's recognizing the achievements, even the small ones. And then you can group those together to build a map of where someone has come, what they've learned, what they can accomplish. Um, real quick, going back to like me building a guitar. I made a post about this on LinkedIn is that, you know, I had only ever built, I built a big stand for my, I have a Euromastix lizard named Morty and I built a big, a really cool stand for him. I had basic woodworking skills. I knew math. I knew how guitars worked. What does it take to get me from what I know now to what I wanted to know? What are the things, you know, what are the achievements I need to unlock? And that's how I did it. It was solving a problem and then the next and going down the line. That is how we learn. And then when we do that together as a group, we build off of each other's accomplishments. And, um, you know, there's a there's a cool new feature. If you if, if you're using Chat GPT or any of your you know your listeners are using Chat GPT, obviously everyone is nowadays, right? One of the cool new features is is you can have a conversation with the bot. You start off a chat, you give it, you start feeding it information and knowledge, and then you can share the chat and you can it generates a link you can give to other people. They get to not only see the chat that you had with the with Chat GPT. They can continue the conversation from that point and move it forward. And then they can share their link and move on. So imagine if you want to learn with someone, let's say you're, you're a, you know, a rocket scientist and someone else, you know, is a neurosurgeon and you start applying one thing, pass it on to the other person and they continue, pass it back. And over time, that conversation will become incredibly, incredibly um, uh, rich, right? And that that's how we learn as well. We're doing the same thing with each other. So I know that was kind of long-winded, but what I'm seeing in the industry is this trend towards 
my old ways of I've got a 20 hour or 20 month program. And at the end, you're going to earn a, uh, you know, some form of degree or whatever else. Those are going away. And I'll cap it off with one of the best things I heard at this symposium last year. They, they asked the question, look back, you know, think back to when you were in high school or in, in elementary school. What were the what were the key points that like defined your achievements? I guarantee you it wasn't moving from ninth grade to tenth grade or moving from this level to this level. It was something else, something personal. And that making it personal is the future of learning and achievement in my mind. That's very powerful. And I'm 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 laughing because I actually didn't know that ChatGPT had this feature. And I'm like, uh, oh, so the moment, cool. the moment we finish this recording, I'm I'm just gonna go to ChatGPT to test it out. But so you know, one one thing I see, I, I fully agree with what you just said, but one thing I see from my end is that we talk to customers, we talk to large companies, smaller companies every day, because that's that's what we do, and they come to us with you know a need to improve their learning or to structure their learning because it's it's not like it hasn't been done in a very professional way. Yeah. And what they want to start with is what worked in 1992. So, <laughs> you know, just PDFs, videos, and a quiz at the end, and that's it. You get your certificate, and then let's go to the next course. And we're, we're struggling to convey this message because people like you, like me, people like, you know, thousands of other people that work in education, in learning, in enabling people to achieve certain um, objectives, goals, or tasks, we understand this. We've yeah. expressed it in an amazing way, but, you know, in, there are other, other ways to express it. But, you know, generally we understand that the old version doesn't work. These things work today. But how can we convince the people that are running companies, the people that are running teams, that, hey, guys, this is the way. Like, they're, they they haven't seen it unless they, it's one of those things that unless you've done it, you've been part yeah. of it, you don't understand it. So what would be the best way to convey this message in your uh, in your mind? Well, that's that's a great question. And um, you're absolutely right. You know, it w when you're selling anything, a lot of times your greatest competitor isn't another company. It's the status quo. Exactly. Uh, it's so much easier just to do what we've always done, mark it off on the box and say, yeah, we, we enabled you. You're welcome. Uh, you now go make us money. Go do this. Go program. Right. And that's very, very common. Um, the the. Two, two parts to that, uh, to that question. One, I would say is, you know, one, we can practice what we preach. If the best way to teach someone is not to give them a, 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 you know, a lesson, then let's not try to show them what they should learn with a 20 slide PowerPoint. And let's not try to convince them with a long presentation or a demo or a whatever. Let's make it what we want to say it should be. Let's get them hands on. If you look at like SaaS companies these days, um, any product you want to buy, any tooling, you go to their site, you see their tool, contact us for a free trial or contact us for a demo. Uh, the pricing is in a table and, and it's contact us at the bottom of the table, right? There's a pricing button, but no answers. When things aren't accessible, then you, you're not going to want to get in on it. You're not going to want to take the course, so to speak. So it's possible that one of the things that we could do is practice what we preach. If we want to teach them a better way of seeing learning, 
we give them instant access to it and get them immersed in it as quickly as possible without friction so that they can see that better way firsthand and think, wow. And we attach outcomes to it. That's that's the other big thing. And it's something I'm big on is I'm not a fan of learning objectives that start with understand this or know how to that. It's as simple as what can you do from taking this training? So if we open it up, say, here, try it out, press this button and you're in. They give the product a shot. And at the end of it, we say, congratulations, you can now accomplish this. Maybe that will be more impactful than the pitch, the 20 slide deck, the, you know, the case study, et cetera. Right. Um, So, you know, that's one thing. The other thing that I see as a way is really showing them where they're leaving money on the table by embracing the old way. That content, that long form content, it takes a lot of time. It tells a slow story. It leads to slower ramp for their employees. And one of the things that I really like to push uh, with, with most organizations I've seen, unless you are a brand new startup, never done a thing, you likely don't need more training, more content. You just need someone to bring it together. Right. And that's one big thing with companies that I like, you know, I like to say, we don't need more content. You need a librarian. You need to do a decimal system, all this stuff together. And we need to know where the content is and how to bring it together so that people can find things when they need it. That way we present them with a challenge. They find the content they need and everyone works together to find a solution as quickly as possible. The same thing goes back to my first point for the sales process. Here's your challenge. The solutions are right in front of you. Pick how you want to learn about them and how you want to solve them. And then we'll meet again to bring it together, right? I think that is a way that we can start to convince people of a better path. That's that's super interesting. So uh, what, what sort of pushback have you heard over the years from others in the organizations where you work when you try to implement things like this? Because for sure, there are people, maybe people with authority in organizations, in yeah. larger organizations, where you come with this idea, I want people, I want to enable people to be able to do things, not to understand things or to know things. And they say, yeah, 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 th- that's cool. But let's do the PDFs and uh, and the videos because that is what's been has been working for us yeah. for the past 15 years. So, you know, Steve, thank you, but no. Yeah. Uh, Well, first question is in that past past 15 years, has it though? Has it been working? You know, a lot of times you'll find it seems like it works on the surface, but you find out that all of their training content or whatever else follows what what I like to call, I coined it the the Bruce Wayne problem. You can also call it the Spider-Man problem. Every time they remake the movie, you have to find out that Bruce Wayne's parents died. Every time they remake it, you got to find out about Uncle Ben. Every time. We get it. We know. We know Uncle Ben died. We know how, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Let's get to the next part, right? And that is, that's what I see at a lot of organizations in their training programs. It's, it's just a rehashing and a retelling of the story. And, and this is the part that maybe I won't win any brownie points for this with your audience or with people, but it, it, it's, it's true. And it's something we should all take a look at is that 
a lot of times the reason they think that it works is because there's an incredible pride in what we do, what my company does, what we've built, what we have. People take a lot of pride in that. They want to tell this story over and over again. We see it in, you know, in sales and customer success all the time where you see someone walk into a, a meeting room and they kick off the all, all the details about their technology. They get in the weeds and all excited about the product, the product, but that doesn't have the impact that you think it does. It matters a lot to you because that's where you work, right? But it doesn't matter to your customer. What you have to do is present your customer with what matters where they work. And this is a contentious area. It's something that I strongly believe, though, is that your customer likely does not care about your product, per se. They don't care about how you built the last release or how this, that, and the other came together for you five years ago. Tell your story. Everyone deserves a chance to tell their story, but they're, they're not going to care like you do because that's not where they work. They care about the goals and KPIs that have been set out for them. They have to get X, Y, and Z done by the end of the year. And that is the opportunity. You know, recognize that no customer has a budget line item for buy Acus's product. That doesn't exist in, you know, in the budget for your customer. There is no line item that says that. There is no goal that says that. Instead, their goals are improve learner, you know, learner ramp time by 3x. <clears throat> there is graduate 200 new partner ecosystem folks by next, you know, by uh, next quarter. Those are the goals. And the best thing we can do is attach what it is we provide to those goals. And that goes for the old way of thinking. <clears throat> Back to your question of how do you convince the older way of thinking is you tie it to the actual goals of the company. Is your goal to get people to understand 20 PowerPoints worth of lore or is your goal, you know, or is your goal to get people ramped up quickly so they can make their first sale, close their first deal by three months, right? If that's the goal, then let's look at what it actually takes to do that. Because guess what? All that content you used to go by, that's five months worth of content. You already missed your goal, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's my way of thinking about it. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you because I I hear this from from many companies that you know we try to tie to objectives, we try to tie to goals and KPIs. The only problem is that for certain teams that's easy to do because they are kind of like you know it's easy to identify how to connect the learning to the KPI. But for many where it's more qualitative or the nature of the work or the nature of the projects they work on are like. The, the, there's not an obvious connection to the training or the education or the enablement. So are there, like, have you seen any such, you know, situations or have you dealt with any such challenges in your oh, previous yeah. roles where, where it's like, you know, we, we don't understand the impact because it's not easy to calculate the impact and we need to make certain assumptions and we need to align yeah. on those assumptions in order to be able to say that that training had an impact. Well, this is where I'm going to call on, founders, startups, companies to really take a strong look at your messaging. 
And this is where it is important for companies to not uh, to work in lockstep and for teams to not work in a vacuum. If you if an education team, sales enablement, customer enablement, partner enablement, doesn't matter. If an education team is building in a vacuum, they are going to tell the story their way. And guess what? Most educators, most instructional designers and learning experience designers, they don't know the story. They don't know the whole thing, right? I always, in a software company, for example, I always encourage a strong partnership between product management, product marketing, and education. Those three can come together to make sure that you're not just teaching the how, you're also teaching the why, the when, right? Normal training programs teach the how and the what, but the why and the when, those are incredibly important. And those are things that product management and marketing can join forces on and add color to training so that you can, so that there's a strong understanding of, okay, here is what our product does. Here are the five things, five big picture and things that we see our product solving throughout our, our, our total addressable market, right? So we, you know, our product does this, we see it solving these five things, and here's the message we communicate down, how we tie that to different customer issues. You know, whether, you know, if you've got a sales team that uses Medic, for example, you know, you've got an opportunity to pull the, pull out the pain, as they say, right? But you tie those issues and obstacles and challenges to your core messaging and make sure that filters down to everyone. And I would say that within a company, this is where you need to make sure every single person at your company, can they deliver the pitch? Do they know the elevator pitch? Do they know what you do? And the, to use the old, you know, thing, can they explain what they, what your company does to their grandma? Right. And, you know, but it is important. I don't care if you are the CEO or a sales rep or a, you know, support engineer. Do we all tell the same story of what our product does? And that will help solidify what we want to train on and about. Do we all understand what it is we help companies achieve? One other fun thing, just for fun, you, we were talking about ChatGPT earlier. Go to ChatGPT, type in, my company is X. It does this, 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 and this. Just provide it a list. Say, I want you to come up with five outcomes in the environmental space that my product could help achieve. Please do this in table form with a and blah, blah, blah. And it will respond with everything you asked for. I was just for fun. I, I took, uh, it was an education product that I had worked on. I fed information about that education product into chat GPT. And I told it to design a brief for a video game based on that education product. And it did. And it, it was awesome. It was like, that could be a video game. I could see the, that. The next, yeah, yeah, the next step make, would be, the next step would be that it creates a video game for you. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> But how cool is that? We can forge connections that never before existed by, you know, reaching out to something that doesn't say, oh, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, yeah, instead yeah, yeah. it just, it, yeah, let's, let's try to bridge that gap. We can do the same thing with how do we bridge a gap between what we provide and what our customers need? Ask the questions. Let's figure it out. Let's set aside what worked 10 years ago and the limitations and give it a shot. Let's see yeah. what we can come up with. 
That makes sense. Yeah. So we were we were yeah. having a chat with a few like heads of customer success of large organizations such as HubSpot, Unity, and a few others. And and we heard from them that one of the challenges is that they can't find the format that engages customers because it, it was about customer training, customer education, customer onboarding, those types of things. So they they were trying different formats, whether it was, you know, setting up a Slack channel or using webin- live webinars, recorded webinars, um, you know, uh, different things that they tried and they couldn't find something that generated kind of like a good adoption when it comes to the the adoption of the the, the training material of the learning, yeah. not not of the features. So they, you know, the, the, there's a whole debate around how. Okay, so you have the right, let's say, mindset. You have the right KPIs. You connect them to to the story. You know what the jobs to be done. So let's say yeah. you have everything in place, but then there is the delivery part. So you have a thousand customers that signed up, or a thousand employees of one customer that signed up. And then you need to train those. You need to help them, you know, learn your features and, and that and all mm-hmm. that. So what do you do if they don't join your webinars, they yeah. don't participate in your Slack channels or whatever other technology you use? How can you how can you enable this to happen? The engagement level yeah. on the engagement layer. Man, you hit on, I mean, that is the challenge, right? Is is you build everything out, you have it, and you know, there what was that? That if you build it, they will come, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Feel the yeah, dream. Yeah, yeah. and and it, it doesn't always work that way. Um, that is definitely a challenge. There's a there's a couple sides to that. You know, one the old way of doing it is if you don't attend, you don't pass, and you don't get to work, right? That's the old way. It, it's not going to motivate anyone except it motivates them. I got to do this, but they're not going to retain anything from it. Um, omni-channel is, is a word that used to go around in the education space. I don't even know if people are still saying it, you know, and that is make sure that when you publish, you publish in multiple mediums. There is e-learning, there is a video, there is a text, you know, I know, uh, Articulate's product, Rise, you know, that's really started getting a lot of usage out there because it is a decent format. It reads like a Hogwarts newspaper. You get to scroll through and skip the parts you don't want. You get to click around and interact where you want to. And all in all, it, it's a nice, you know, light experience. Personally, I'm, I, I mentioned the learn, sharpen, achieve part earlier. I'm really big on whatever the mandatory learning is, get it done as quickly as possible for that Slack channel, or I see a lot of orgs actually using Discord for, for teaching now. You know, it's it's yeah, fun watching yeah. this stuff. And don't make that part a classroom inside of Slack. That's that's not the point. Make it a community of practice, right? The Slack part isn't for you to sit there and 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 watch someone type and every once in a while click an emoji, right? The Slack thing is for collaboration. It's two-way. It's for you to share back what you've learned. And what I think of there is, you know, um, you know, at my last organization, they had this, they had this tool for your email. Every once in a while, you would get a, a fake sound looking email and it was from an external sender and it looked like it was wanted you to log in and click a button. And, you know, you could report it to a little go fish sort of thing. And, you know, you report that this was a, and then they're like, congratulations, you spotted a hack attempt. If this has been real life, you could have saved the company. That's interaction. I love that. Um, You know, uh, if I was a a sales rep, 
I would love, think chat GPT with voice, with text to speech and speech to text, where I call a phone number, I hop on a Zoom and it's an AI customer and we have a back and forth and go through objections in a role play. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm odd in the education space. That's the only training I will ever do is, is interactive. I, you know, look, I've been in this space. I've been in IT for 25 years. I got my first IT job in high school. I tried to hack into the school computer to change my grades. Um, and a guy saw me writing the program, thought it was really cool and told his dad about me. And his dad hired me to be an Oracle developer. You know, that's how I got my first job. I didn't go to college. I don't take e-learning. I hate e-learning, but I run education teams that build it. Well, that's a paradox, right? The point is, though, is that gives me a perspective on what works for some does not always work for others. It's why I'm so big on the idea that we get people in that minimum viable learning and we tell them, guys, this is only two hours. You can do anything for two hours. Just dig in, pay attention, and we're going to get you interactive soon. We're going to get your hands on the keyboard. We're going to give you some cool stuff. And it ain't going to be hello world. It's going to actually be something meaningful and, and cool and fun. Right. Okay. So, you know, building and then and then we're going to use Slack to report back what we figured out and what we learned. And we're going to have a little competition. You know, um, one of the things I did at a prior company, we implemented interactive labs for our product so that people could get in and get their hands dirty. You know, that's a that's a must for any software. Right. So that was cool, but we didn't just use it. Hey, go learn. Here's a lab guide. We, what we did was we staged a, um, a hunger games, a learning hunger games. And it was, we get the, the, the support engineers on their systems. Everyone gets a lab environment, 12 support engineers. You have an hour to get your system to completion and break everyone else's. And it was like, it became this awesome competition, right? You could, you could fix up yours. You could fix the problem on your system. You could log into student threes. You could be like, oh no, they're too good. I'm going to go in and break theirs in some way. And it was like a, it was this competition of who, who can fix and solve and break better for support engineers. That was learning and it felt fun. And we gave out awards at the end. And, you know, it was uh, just this cool way of interacting with the product. You know, I've yeah. done this all the way since back when I was an Oracle database administrator. We would do disaster recovery exercises. And I brought in Dungeons and Dragons dice. I, and it would be like, we're going to roll to see if the system crashed or not. You know, yeah. Ooh, critical hit. Three servers are down. You know, and you make it fun and interactive. Yeah. And I think that, first of all, that's awesome. Uh, but secondly, uh, I, I think <laughs> people, people don't have the, don't have or do not want to dedicate the energy because that takes yeah. a lot of effort to, to create those experiences. It does. So I think, you know, putting up a, a video, three people do it. Sorry. I said, ask ChatGPT to come yeah, up with yeah, the yeah. scenarios. Yeah, exactly. So, but but like, it's dramatically easier to record yourself, um, you know, talking yeah. 15 minutes than create two PDFs and a quiz and that's it. It's much, much easier to do that. So, and one last question, because I think that we've covered so much ground in, in those like 20, 30 minutes that I, yeah. I, I think there is a lot to unpack here already. One last question regarding instructional designers. So we 
like instructional designers are the people that are are in the forefront, let's say, of this, you know, of the execution of learning, the creation of learning programs. So, and I I, I see that many of them either they're too theoretical and they focus yeah. too much on methodologies, best practices, or even more theoretical than that. Like they they follow research on yeah. you know effective learning methodologies and so on. And then there are the others which are closer to to you closer to like what works let let's just okay we know the methodologies but let's let's move one step beyond the methodologies and and use what we know in order to deliver value so yeah. but but i think there the, the balance is like there's the the people that are closer to you are probably a minority at least to, to my knowledge and then the the majority are people that are very much focused on methodologies and implementing pbl like you know project based learning or peer to peer yeah. learning whereas you know, you don't even use those terms. So what are your thoughts around that? Around what, what is that? Is that something we can improve? Is it necessary that they think like this and then you work with them and you create value? So, you know. Yeah, I think it all depends on the field, on the outcomes you're looking for. If we're talking scientific, we're talking about deep research, you know, the older ways, the more the more set in stone ways, they still have absolute value. It's funny you mentioned that because I'll I'll when I'll meet a new instructional designer or whatever, I'll ask them, so are you an Addy head or are you just, uh, yeah. you know, do you just make training content, you know? And, and you know, because I'm curious, you know, how they, what motivates them. One of the things that I've done in the past is built a team around learning experience designers and instructional designers. And the learning experience designer, their purpose is identify the need. What is the need? What does the person who takes this need to be able to do when they're done? And what's the best format to facilitate that? And then the instructional designers pull content together to, to work towards that. They work as a combined pair. You can think of it like in R&D teams, engineering. You've got a product manager and an engineering manager, and they're, they're a, a pair. They work together. And that's how I see learning experience design. So, you know, one, going back to what does the learner need to be able to do at the end? That can apply even if someone wants to take their deep learning methodology from yesteryear and they're going to make a SCORM file, you know, et cetera, and all of that. You can still apply the new way of thinking about it with the old way of fleshing it out. You know, it all depends on what outcome you're looking for. What I would challenge there is, is your audience ready for your deep analysis? Training sales reps, for example, is very different from training engineers or training customers. You know, with sales reps, I'm going to tell you, maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I once worked on a sales enablement program where in our LMS, we had to use uh, CSS to hack it a little bit and change the word start course to start playbook because we found out that sales reps would not click on a button that said start course. That takes too long. But if it said start playbook, they'd do it and they'd love to, yeah. right? Crazy. So, things like that. We've, we've changed the name of a training from administration for blah to increase your productivity 3x. And suddenly people take the training more. So sometimes, sure, use your old methodology but let's add a little pizzazz to it as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the last point I'll make there, 
is what you just mentioned about like, it's so much easier to just record a video. The beauty of today's technology is we can have it all. The old days of I'm going to make a storyboard and then we're going to interview you and we need a subject matter expert for 30.5 days or whatever. Those days can be gone in some fields. Instead, I say, Akis, you have something knowledge in your head. I need to teach it. Can you just give me a one hour stream of consciousness recording of you going through it and you showing me the product and all of that? And now I can use transcription tools and summarization tools and sentiment analysis. And there's so much that's available to us now. Your one hour video is probably worth weeks of subject matter expert interview time. And so we can be more agile together. Use the old way of thinking with the new way of doing it. And I think we can be very agile together. Steve, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. I'm, yeah. I'm going to have a hard time to, to just dissect the, you know, and, 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 and like keep the, the, the most important pieces because there are so many throughout this conversation. So um, yeah. if someone wants to reach out to you, where would they find you? How should people contact you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm Steve Karam on LinkedIn. Uh, I am Steve Karam, S-T-E-V-E-K-A-R-A-M at gmail.com. I'm good with that. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, yay, Steve K. That's yay, Steve K. Yeah. Y-A-Y Steve K. Great. So um, yeah, feel free to reach out. Thank you very much for your time, Steve. Thank you. Great talking Bye. to you. Bye.